Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to the latest episode of Soccer in the City. Tom Kolker, Glenn Crooks, Roberto Bromwich, John Rojas talking New York City FC and MLS. Guys, a lot to unpack in this episode. We have to go back two matches to the last time we did a show. And remember, our last show was right prior to the match against Toronto. Uh, we'll start there, and it's the disappointment of that match against Toronto, guys. Not only losing Eber for the season, but the way in which the team uh, gave up that penalty so late. A, a very disappointing effort and result against Toronto. But the team then switched and focused to that match against FC Cincinnati. And even more questions, Glenn, going into that match. Not only do you have to figure out who's going to replace Maxi, but now your best offensive threat from last year, Eber, is out for the season. This team already was struggling in the scoring department. So even more questions going into this match against FC Cincinnati. Who's going to score up top? Who's going to play the number 10 and create? And we find out it's going to be Matriza in that number 10 role. And we're obviously used to seeing him out wide on the wing when he's in matches for New York City FC, but he slides into the middle. And Ronnie Dye looks like a genius from the opening minute of the match. He gets that first goal. New York City off to the races. He scores two on the day. Tinner home, another big match for New York City FC, a goal and an assist. So it looks like, at least for now, New York City may have an answer as to who can play that number 10 role until Maxi can come back and be healthy. Now, there's still questions about how things look up top and how they formulate that the rest of the year going forward, knowing that Eber's not available. But just starting with that match against FC Cincinnati, uh, it's got to feel good for Matriza for the team to get him in a position where he played so well and the team got a big result coming off the huge disappointment against Toronto. Yeah, I think a goal of 30 seconds into the match is a pretty good statement by Matriza, and uh, it was set up so well by Tinnerholm and, and Parks and Sands. Just a nice way to start the match. But, you know, the bigger picture, Tati Castellanos got his, uh, his first start in quite some time against Toronto in place of Eber, and Eber had logged a lot of minutes. So Eber came in as a reserve for Castellanos. It, it had been the reverse for, for many, many games. And, uh, you know... Maxime Cheneau played this fantastic ball in the Eber, and it took a, a, a bit of a strange hop and went off his arm, handball. In the, uh, he, I think he was in the area when he received her, just on the edge of the box. And then it, just an awkward step, and his knee buckled, and, and that was it. So everyone is, you know, we all feel the same way about Eber. Uh, his teammates, the staff, those of us who have interacted with him, you know, he's just a wonderful guy, and it was just, you know, it's, a, it's the kind of thing you don't want to see happen to anybody, but especially Eber, and especially since he's a proven goal scorer. But this gives Tati Castellanos now a chance to lead the front line, which he's capable of, and he showed that last year. And there's enough, there's enough to choose from to, 
to, to fill out the front line. Now, Alex Ring still remains up there with uh, Castellanos and Ismael Tajiri Shradi in this most recent game. Gary Mackay Steven has logged minutes. Mitritza, will he play the 10 again? I'm sure, but he'll also play you know, out on the wing. Uh, Medina will play the 10 at some point uh, again. So the attacking options are still there. It's just, uh, you know, losing Eber is, is certainly uh, difficult. But Matriz is the 10, and you saw a lot of dissenting opinions, uh, you know, from, you know, people who, you know, feel strongly that they know about the game, and um, they didn't think uh, Matriz was a 10. The one quality he has is the one he showed where he can burst in and, 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 and clear some space because of his pace, and then he can also, on the half turn, you know, get the ball and run at the back four, the back three, if it were Cincinnati. And, uh, you know, it, for him, it's been decision-making. But um, I'll leave it there now. Yeah, the Losing Eber is hugely disappointing because he's a big part of the fabric of the team, too. He has an important presence in training. If things aren't going well, he's the kind of guy that's positive and lends itself to, you know, a really light touch to things to, to keep things loose. So I think you're losing a lot of that when you lose Eber, too. Oh, 100%. Uh, his effect in the locker room, uh, everybody describes him as the glue, you know, around the team as far as just puts a happy face around everything and brings the, the emotions up and uh, keeps everything light. Um, as far as the offense for New York City is concerned, obviously you're going to miss him even though he only had one goal so far this season. And we, we know what he did in the first game against San Carlos with a hat trick, and you know how dangerous he is by how he played last year. But now you've lost him. You've lost Marita, uh, not Marita, you've lost uh, Maxi Morales, so you've lost two of your top offensive cogs. But honestly, right now, if you want this, uh, th- this team to continue to function offensively, please just don't let Anton Tinnerholm get hurt. I mean, right now, along with Alex Ring, the leading scorer on the team with three goals apiece, but... I mean, it sounds weird that a right back is uh, doing this. But, the, but honestly, when you look at the games, uh, so much danger is created when Anton Tinnerholm is on the ball. I mean, he is just such a key cog of the way this team functions offensively now. I don't think it's that weird, though. Exactly. You don't talk about a fullback, uh, you know, having that kind of impact on the attack is weird, and I don't think in the modern day. But you're right. It's impactful. And, like, when he came on for Scally. What was that? The new the New England game? No, what, yeah. what game? The New England game, right? Yeah, yeah, it was that the New was, I mean, game. Yeah, with the zero zero game. I mean, you know, it was just the the impact on, on the attacking side w- w- was so evident. But um, but I'm just John Titter about the fact that we're talking about a right back who's your leading goal scorer. That doesn't happen very often. Hey, John, I go mean, ahead. I'm putting that in. I'm putting that in, in that context. Yeah. Well, let's bring John in. John, you start. You can answer that question. But first, I want to ask you. Going back to Matriza, is, is this a guy who can have a, a starring role in the middle until Maxi's back healthy, or is this just a a one you know a one time thing where they put him in and it, it happened to work out well against Cincinnati? Or is this can this be a long term solution for New York City FC? It shouldn't be a one time thing. It should be a, a a solution. It should be the main idea from now on. Just for uh, many particular reasons, but I just want to start over with um, sometimes uh, the, the game speaks uh, to the coach and coaches need to listen to the game when, when they're talking to you, when you're preparing, when you're having a team. Uh, and sometimes the game gives you excuses. In a sad way, this is excuse because what the, the, what the game was calling for, uh, for New York City to see in terms of getting more attacking presence was to play both 
Tati and Ever. And the coach needed to find a way to get them both on the field at the same time. Now, of course, we don't need to talk about that because it's not going to happen, period, right? So that's one thing. You, you, sometimes the, the game gives you the excuses. Sometimes the game gives you the reasons. And this is the reason. Uh, Mitritza is the guy who shows how to get out of pressure. That, that, that description that Glenn was putting out of, of, of the word that Mitritza did, you know, and, and turning and, and finding the, the breaking the lines, the passes, the, the passes that break the lines, that is what he's doing right now. He's, he's very talented, calling the pressure and getting out of that pressure. He's a guy who can take not only 1v1, but he can cover the ball and break lines with two guys on his back. And his moves is very important because he's speed and he's good with the ball on his feet. So uh, if, as a coach, Dyla reads what the game is telling him, uh, Mitrisa should be the number 10. Tajuri uh, tries to be on the field. And, and, of course, you don't have any other uh, solution, like clear solution that Tati Castellanos right now going after, right? I mean, you can adapt to the games and stuff, but that is your number nine. Yeah. And just to close out, the good thing that I found from the Toronto game and the last game and that victory is the way the team reacted because they had really two big, big hits on that game. One, losing one nothing with an accident because that penalty kick for a handball from Kacha is just an accident at the last minute of the game and then losing ever. And you wonder how this team is going to react with all the changes that we need to do three days apart because that's the other thing that we should tell people. I, I, I just thought about it when... When, when you, Tom, was talking about we have two games between the shows, not because we're not doing shows every week, but because the games are coming three days apart. So the team reacted in a way, very, very positive way, and, and not only because they won, because they played well, and that is important too. So I, hey, so play, I just wrote the word playmakers down while, while you guys were talking, and, and, and Roberto, back to Tinner home a little bit. You know, uh, Maxi was the ultimate playmaker, but James Sands has to be a playmaker now. Uh, Anton Tinnerholm, Ronald Matarita, Alexander Mitritza, at times Keaton Parks. So, you know, and, and I think of fullbacks as playmakers. I always have. I mean, ever since, I've, ever since you started watching the game where, where backs got into the attack, which uh, when I first started uh, playing and, and coaching, that was not the case. They just hung back. They didn't get in. Well, exactly. Glenn, if you allow me on a parenthesis there, and regards with what Roberto was saying, that... I like, very, your, per, I like your parentheses uh, interjections, John. Yeah. I just want to make that I, clear. Because I can close it, and then you can go with whatever you have in your mind. <laughs> <laughs> so, it's actually what the modern game is calling for. Look at Liverpool. You know, the top goal scorers of the team, they're always, of course, your, your forward... But on the in very close, your fullbacks. Yeah. Oh yeah. That and uh, the fullback had uh, the the what? Not the game win. Maybe the game winner today. I mean, he yeah. set up the you know right. right. He set up one goal for the opponent, and then he came back and, exactly. uh, and got one. But uh, yeah. So hey, that handball last week. Did, uh, did you guys hear Ronnie Dyla? Um, I think he said it in the pregame briefing I did before. Uh, this last game against Cincinnati. The game he said he, going on the wrong way? Well, 
he said it shouldn't have been a handball. Yeah, and he said it shouldn't have been a handball and football. We have a big problem in football. And then on the weekend, Jose Mourinho walks down the tunnel before the game ends because Eric Dyer gets called for a handball uh, for an equalizing goal for Newcastle. And you hear Steve Bruce for Newcastle after getting a point against Tottenham against the run of play, you know, pretty much say like, we didn't, you know, this is terrible. You know, I, it's we'll, one we'll of the hardest issues, Glenn. Since I know Roberto, we always have in an argument with the Hambles. <laughs> Everyone does. <laughs> Who would? Yeah, we're not the only ones, though. This is not unique there, John. Hey, but I mean, here's... It's a, it's a, and especially now, since IFAB stuck their noses into everything, oh. and uh, they, they, they decided to fiddle around with the rule. Now, I mean, the Tottenham penalty kick uh, for, for Newcastle, the guy is jumping up. He's got his back turned to the ball. Yes, his arm is a little bit extended from his body, but how do you jump without extending your, your arms from your body a little bit and the ball happens to hit him in the back of the arm? I mean, th that's ridiculous to when pull you that out. When you jump, Roberto, Roberto, when you jump, you use your arms to get higher elevation. Well, that's, that's what, what you do. So well, your, your, your arms point. naturally are outside of whatever, you know, I don't know what right. all, all, all the Who's jumping with their hands crossed in, fr in front of, uh, what do you call it, their legs? So do we need to rewrite the rule? I mean, well, here, look. What's here's the solution? The here's, the of me, here's the history. John, let me get, here's my history with handball as far as what I've felt about it. Because, you know, so I've, co I've coached soccer since 1980. And. I've been pissed off about handball calls since 1980. Okay. So I, even the because, ones in your favor, because they're so uncertain and there, and there's no consistency. And the reason there's no consistency is you have different levels of officials. Referees see it all different ways. So it's a very subjective call. So before VAR, and I've said this for years, but before VAR, I said, if a ball strikes a hand and that player gains an advantage, whether it's purposeful or not, the handball, then it's a handball. And just, just do it that way so you're taking the pressure off the, the referee. But now that we have VAR, I don't necessarily agree with that because you can go back and you can, you can see if it was an intentional handball or not. So, uh, and... Yeah, would, anyone dis would anyone disagree? How many intentional handballs are there in the penalty area? How yeah, many? How many? How many, how many intentional handballs where guys put their arms up in, in an effort to redirect the ball as it's being propelled to goal? Okay? Glenn, but there's two different topics there. Because BAR, if, if you have a handball in the area and that's a possible penalty kick, and that's yeah. why BAR gets involved. VAR is not checking if it is intentional or not. VAR but they could. No, no, I know no. that. But VAR they could. is not checking if the guy uh, has the hand in a normal position or not. VAR is checking if the referee on the field had the right call. If, he ha if they had elements to tell him, check it out because you may be wrong. His decision, not the actual element of the play. But they're remember, taking it has, to be, it has to be supposedly uh, um, a clear and obvious mistake to reverse it. But it's still an IFAB rule, what they're looking at. You know, they're looking at mm -hmm. whatever well, IFAB's interpretation, yep. which MLS and now they, has for they, this. Well, well IFAB went in and tried to change the rules because they were saying it, it's too hard to regulate intention. So let's take intention out of this. 
And now that you've taken intention out of this, now you're starting to see egregious errors going totally the other way. Because in the case, again, of, uh, of Tottenham, the guy literally has his back turned to the play. He's just jumping up normally. It's not like he had his arms in a position where he's trying to make himself bigger or anything like that. Don't and the ball hits him in the back of the arm. And so it's... Gotcha. That handball is just, you know... I know, he turns away from the play. and the It almost seemed like his hand was like right next to his body as well. Yeah, but I mean, the hand is occupied in his face. I, don't, I, I do not agree... I do not agree with the call in, in that sense, the sense that you're explaining. He's not trying to stop the game. He's not trying. But following the rule, it's a handball. He's turning his hand. His hand is occupied in the space and, and, and it's impeding the ball to go through his normal uh, route. So it's, it's a handball. Well, it's the one thing I've said play. about, what, what, the one thing I kind of say is when the defender turns his body, you know, then all bets are off because you're supposed to stay strong and square. And that's what you do. I and mean, that's just, that's what you do. The you same way you just lied on the, on the, on the box. Yep. You, you but is the, the answer to your question? Never. What was never? <laughs> what was the question? How many times have you intentionally seen a defender? No, no, I've seen it. No, I've seen it. I'm just saying it's the high it's percentage of the time. The so out of 10 times, the maybe one out of 10 is accidental. And then what happens, what happens is you have defenders defending with their hands behind their back. The, the most critical aspect of defending is balance after heart. First, you have to have an appetite. And then after that, it's how balanced you are. You can't, and so you take both your arms away. You can't, you don't have balance. So it, it's a mess. If, it's just a mess. It is a mess because here's what's going to wind up happening, okay? You're going to have skilled players who are going to be looking as an option to kick the ball to to the opponent's arm in the box and get a freebie for a penalty. Absolutely. It's happening already. And I'm sure you should be coaching that, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, if you could stick it between a goalkeeper's legs on purpose, you can hit it off somebody's arm on purpose. But you, you learn that in the, in the, on the streets. Yeah. The right. same way that you kick the ball at the legs of your opposition a player, if you're going to take a, um, a free kick and he's too close because that's a yellow card. He's not giving you the distance. Right. You kick the ball at him and that's a yellow. Hey, same speaking thing. of scoring through the five hole, that's what Tinner Holmes' goal yes, was. Did. The, uh, did, you guys see my, did you guys see my video on Twitter? Where the I compared yeah. Tanner Holmes' goal and Larea's goal, they both megged the keeper. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, you didn't. All right. Well, look I at. Didn't get I did. To see I it. did. Okay. Thank you, John. John, are you proud of my video? Uh, I am. Combination. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you're you. Doing good. You're following John John Rojas in the <laughs> department. John, you're, not, you're John, not quite at that level, my friend. Well, well, John and Roberto have tutored me in a lot of the, the electronic area. Well, you know, let's stay on Tinder Home for a second because we you look, don't all of us talk are about on my video. Uh, no, expertise. that's a different podcast. Right. <laughs> Glenn yeah. and Electronics is a whole different show. <laughs> that's we'll record that after this. But listen, Nerd uh, every, City. everyone who listens to this podcast, I you know would assume is fairly into not only New York City but MLS as a whole. Casual fans might not know. Anton Tinnerholm, maybe they only know the, the key players on their team, but more and more as Tinnerholm continues to play well and you hear the chatter on Twitter, you're now hearing his name mentioned as an elite right back in Major League Soccer. Do you guys feel he is at that level? Is he now not only in the conversation, but right now performing-wise uh, the, the top bat right back in Major League Soccer? I'll just say one word, yes. Anybody else? Go, Roberto, and I'm going to close out. 
See, when Reggie Cannon was here, I, I would have said that's a competition between him and Reggie Cannon. And without Reggie Cannon here, I think he's a, he's a clubhouse leader uh, at the turn. Uh, got some golfing uh, uh, okay. lingo for you there, Glenn. Thank you. Well, listen, um, Anthony Tinehom is well known around MLS. And, and it's not only because he is a good fullback, and because he, you know, he's a, an offensive threat. But for some reason, opposition players doesn't like him at all. If you hear uh, shows that follow other teams, and if you hear like uh, um, general uh, MLS shows, his name come up always from players that doesn't like him. What, what, because he's like, a, he, what does he talk he a talks lot? He talks a lot, he, yeah. He is he's very proud talker. of himself. He is, he's always playing game, mind games. And, and they work. And, and players understand that, and, and, and they recognize he's a good player, but I don't want to be spend five minutes around that guy on a field. It's just too much. That's what, you know, the, the gather, I gather from, from hearing all, all around. Now, when it comes to Cincinnati, for some reason, he's the killer. He has... Two goals and three assists in three games against Cincinnati. Well, look, hey, and what, Maxi, a goal and five assists. Eber had four goals. I mean, New York City's really uh, – Well, yeah. They've made a uh, – A son out of Cincinnati. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, out of three out of their four games, they've got at least four goals. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's pretty easy. This is the first time that New York City's actually shut them out, though, which is – a little bit weird, but uh, well, remember and remember, two of Cincinnati's goals were scored by uh, Sebastian Dibiaga and Eber. Yes, they have. <laughs> <laughs> right, but uh, no, I but I Tinnerholm is in the conversation. I mean, there, there's little question of that. And then this guy last night, Richie Larea. Yeah, you know what what he did. I mean, he's just tearing it up. But we we've seen that. We we yeah. We, don't we, mention that to New York City FC. That yeah. name is. Yeah, yeah. That, that, that's a tough one for New that, York City. And by the way, Richard Larea would probably be the main competition for, um, for Anton Tinnerholm as best right back in, in the league right now, now that Richard Cannon's gone. So um, I, I think that those are the two best. What Greg Vanny has done with Richie Larea and changed his position and the way he plays and what he wants out of him and turned him from a meddling meh player that Orlando was happy to let see go to turn him into a premier right back in MLS and uh, and a basically a, a starter a you know a, a, a starter for the Canadian national team then uh, all you know a lot of credit goes to Greg Vanny for what he's done obviously to Richie Larea for uh, improving himself too. Guys, going back to FC Cincinnati, John, what, what keys can New York City take away from that victory that, you know, they can implement going into to next week's match and as they, as they look forward? Obviously, there's going to be specific tactics for each match, but did anything stand out to you in terms of the way the team played overall that you feel like, okay, they can at least you know, implement this going forward or something you liked potentially that they could implement? Well, two things for me, and again, as I said in the, in, in the previous show, one thing is what the coach is planning and thinking, and, and another thing what we've seen from outside, right? But for me, it's clear that Mitritsa should be on the field, that uh, Tajuri Travis should be before Makai Steven on the field, and the Guri should be the closest to the field is the bench. 
Okay, so, it's you're, just, not a, so you're not a fan of... Uh, no, it's not, it's not being a fan of that. It's the, it's the production. It's the, the confidence that the team has with him on the field. Is the, the lacking of... I mean, but, but let's talk about the positive, which, which was uh, Tom questions, because that was what we saw in, in this game against uh, Cincinnati. I mean, the, the way the team played... It was a very balanced play. I mean, they, they attacked from both sides of the field, and that is important. You cannot have just one of the fullbacks going over and over and over again because, one, you become predictable, and on the other side, um, uh, I mean, the, your legs are not going to be there for 90 minutes every single game, especially now when you're going to play 10 games in six weeks, which is what we have left for the, for the rest of the regular season. So yeah, I like... I like the balance, John, mm -hmm. uh, on the left side, too. We haven't talked about Alex Ring at all and whether how everybody feels about Ring still being in uh, mostly a, a wider position than his normal number six role, holding mid, defensive mid, occasionally box to box. But, you know, now he's in this uh, four two three one on the left side. But I think with Matarita you've got a guy who is willing to uh, attack that space in front of him. And I think, I think the balance is this. Shradi can stay wide on the right. We know Tinnerholm joins him, and they overload all the time. They've got 2v1 all the time. There's overlapping, all kinds of things. Tinnerholm's goal is from Shradi, right? Shradi receives. Yes. Tinnerholm goes around him. Shradi slips a really nice reverse ball. And they're in. They could do it on the uh, on the ring and Mata side, but I think it's a little different. I think you leave Matarita maybe a little bit more isolated, and Ring can tuck in and provide better numbers inside. So that and that's what you know. Depending on personnel, that's the way you can balance it out. You know, Matarita could be more your left wing, you know, on the left side, and you've got Shradi as a more natural right wing, and then Tinnerholm joins when uh, and you see Tinnerholm underlapping a lot, and that's because Shradi's yeah. wide. So, yeah, because that's um, the idea, Glenn. You know that. I mean, sometimes when, you, when both of your guys can connect that way on the wing, I'm, I'm talking the fullback and, and the white guy on that line of three uh, behind you forward, they switch all the time. One attacks the inside space and the other one attacks the wide space, the, the outer space. And it doesn't have to be always the fullback. But that needs a, a real good understanding between them no, yeah. no, no understanding of the position or the game is between them. It's, it's a moment in which you, uh, with, with a look to your teammate, he knows that he's going because I'm staying or I'm coming in. And so he's going to take the space and the wider the space. So it's, 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 it's a relationship between the two guys on the field. And you can have that with, with Tinner Home and, and, and Tajuri Shradi. And Ring can provide in some, in some moments that uh, because he's having parks right behind him. So it's not like if he has uh, to cover for Madarita, he's going to do double effort, but they're going to split the effort between Madarita, Parks, and Ring. I've got, you know, I, I feel like Ring's kind of caught in between right now. I'm, I want to watch this game again because I just, I just don't see him impacting the game to the level that uh, I'm sure he knows he can. And, you know, and it's a bit of a sacrifice having him out there because, and, and you, when you hear Ronnie Dyla talk, he's not, he's not doing anything with that Sands Parks thing other than leaving them in the middle of the park together. That's, that's happening. Now, whether Sands goes back to central defense because Alexander Collins isn't available, you know, with the suspension, the yellow card thing, you know, that remains to be seen. That might Wait, happen. Hold on. And not only that, what about the national team duty? 
For so, Collins, yeah. Exactly. Right. So basically, Callen, you're not going to see Callens. Yep. At, at least seven games from now. So it's got to be, you, you have to put, you would want to put Sands back there, put Mering into the midfield next to, uh, yes. next to uh, Parks, and then go from there, right? That's yes, what exactly do. what you want to do, because I know you don't want to break that up, but, I mean, do you want to have Sebastiani Biaga on the field, or do you want to have uh, Alex Ring on the field, or uh, James Sands? I mean, well, what, what are you going to do? No, you, Ring, Roberta, you need do you, Sands. Yeah, you need Sands, but do you, do you yeah. agree with Glenn that um, Ring's kind of caught in between right now? And ultimately, is, his, is it more natural for him to be back in the middle somewhere? Whether well, that's... He's playing totally out of position, but, I mean, he's the ultimate soldier. You know, wherever they tell him to play and how he wants him to play, he's going to do that. But he also manages to drift into the middle. But, I mean, that's one of the things that New York City does. Not everybody is static in their positions. There's a lot of drifting. There's a lot of switching uh, of players. And, uh, I mean, we don't get to speak to Ronnie as often as we used to get to speak to Dome or to uh, Patrick Vieira to find out if, you know, this is just natural between the players to do this or, or if this is something that has been discussed in meetings and, and at X point in the game, are they going to switch positions because they're trying to, to find other things? I mean, with, with Patrick and with Dome, it was sort of like, no, if the players wanted to switch, they'll switch. And uh, they'll see what goes on over there. But uh, again, coming back to ring, he's playing ring out of position, but it's better to play ring out of position than to take off some of the guys who are there. You're not going to take Sands off. Uh, Keaton Parks has earned his spot there. So uh, you want to keep you want to keep those guys on the field, and that's the best way that he's found that he can keep them. And then again, Alex Ring's got three goals this year too, so leading scorer on the team along with Tenon. So Tom, let me let me ask one question. Uh, and, and Glenn, probably you're going to start with this. Um, of course, uh, Ronnie will do you know whatever he sees is best for the team. That's of course he's always his objective. But what would you do? You don't have Callens, okay? He's gone. Well, I, I'm how, do you set up, how do you set up the team now? You have to, the reason I think you have to drop Sands uh, yes. and, and in favor of Ibiaga coming in is Ibiaga and Chano are both right-footed, number one. Whatever you think okay. of Ibiaga, just let me finish. Okay. So what would happen and what we've seen happen is Ibiaga goes to right central defense and Chano switches to the left side. We've seen that before. You know, not in the past, not with Ronnie Dyla, but with uh, with Dome Tarant and with Patrick Vieira. So you 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 end up taking Cheneau, who has been exceptional lately, and moving him, and you're, so you're making too many changes there. So Sands can play left central defense. He's a two-footed player, and he's comfortable on the ball. So it it's kind of a no-brainer because Ring is a natural six, and he's going to be with Parks, and they can alternate going up they can be like the twin eight or the twin six or whatever you want to call them they'll alternate who goes forward and then Lemitriza do all his uh, stuff in a half spaces between the lines and you know wherever he needs so, to so who is who is for in who goes on the wing? positions right yeah who's, who's out wide left yeah mm -hmm. I'll, um i i would think it, look if he's going to play carry Mackay steven i would prefer he pays him on the left because we've seen really good service from gary Mackay steven when he's on the left side on the right he's reluctant with his right foot whether it's just he doesn't have it which i assume that's probably what the issue is uh i would like to see if if gary Mackay steven is the guy i'd like to see him because he'll drive to the end line and he'll make things happen medina is your better choice 
And so but Medina I think, was probably better suited to play the 10 and then moving Mitritza to the left. Too many changes. And Tajiri Shradi up to the right, which is basically their normal positions. Yeah, but if, what but if you Mitritza, broke in what is working? What if Mitritza well, is more effective? Game against, hold on. It worked one game against FC Cincinnati. Isn't mm. there an asterisk when you play FC Cincinnati when you're in That's New York true. City FC? Yeah, yes. I give you that, Roberto. That's good. That's okay. Because, yeah, yeah. I mean, here, here's the facts, okay? Let me give you one thing. Against it's like records in a football game. Right, no, because against FC Cincinnati, <laughs> New York City had 22 shots, eight of them on goal. Against Toronto, they had 16 shots, and uh, what was it? Uh, it was six. It was, no, it was, it, sorry, it was 22 and 12, and then eight, 16 and 6, 16 and 8. So, I, I mean, they, they should have scored against Toronto, and they didn't. Right for whatever reasons. All they, I know is I have like a lot of numbers. things. I but have they, eight they, numbers in my head. I don't even know what you just said, but keep okay, going. Okay, well, basically they had slightly better. <laughs> so we'll do it without numbers. They you got numbers. We got balls. offensive numbers against Cincinnati than they did against Toronto. They had very good offensive numbers against Toronto. They just happened not to score against Cincinnati. They were able to score. So it was still the same amount of creativity going forward or close to it against a much better team. They just didn't put the ball in the back of the net. I, I look. It's it's a one game uh, experiment or rehearsal or whatever. But the reason I like Matriza better than Medina in that role is that you know Maxi is different. Maxi's an old number ten, and we we'll, you know he unlocks, spin, you know, assist. But the modern ten can freaking run out of the midfield, man. They're dangerous. They're constantly dangerous. Jesus Medina is neither an unlocker of the defense and he's not a dangerous guy going forward. So I, just, I just what you wanted a DP. Pardon? Just what you wanted a DP. <laughs> but I, I'm, but that's the reality of it. How many times have we seen Jesus Medina get it on the half turn and, 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 and scare the living crap out of the back four or back three as he drives right. at them, picking and choosing what he might do next. Can he play on the left? Yes. Then yes. you put him on the left, left and you leave Matriza in the middle. Exactly. You put Sands on the, in the back line and slide exactly. ring in front of him. That's what it is. The other reason, Glenn, in, uh, with Matriza and, and Medina is this center of gravity. Matriza is a smaller guy, so he can turn and go faster than Medina. And that's very important when you are the number 10. You need to turn and go. And I think, yeah, for sure. And I think the uh, Medina can be – he's a guy that he, he, he recognizes the half spaces where he comes in a little bit. He can play in a wider role and actually, you know, he's not the greatest 1v1 attacking player, but, uh, you know, he can, he can get that done. He can combine. I, I just think he's um, – and Ronnie has applauded. The reason Ronnie's been starting him uh, in many ways is because of his work rate on the defensive side of the ball. So if you have him in that where Alex Ring is now – then he's doing the work of Alex Ring and let Matriza defend less. That's my, you know, and, and I think that pretty much happened. Matriza would be very happy not having to actually defend well, a he's, lot. He doesn't have a whole lot of defensive responsibility. I, I, I'm anxious to rewatch <laughs> the game because I don't, think, I don't think he defended that much in that game from what and, I can recall. You know why Medina has been um, looking better and better this season? Because he's actually doing the job that his qualities are there for. He's the good partner for a real number 10. Because yeah, he does the defensive work. 
Not only that, but he's the guy who has a, he, he recognizes spaces. He has a really good first touch. Uh, he crossed the ball really good. And that's a real good partner for a number 10. But he you want to play, but do you play him out wide or do you play yes. him or no, you play him close? You want to play him wide? Yeah, I put him playing ring, ring, playing ring. <laughs> so, right? Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> and then Sans playing on the back. And the other reason, Glenn, I, I was to interject when you were talking about Sans, but the, the other point, the most important point for me to have Sans on the back instead of Ibiaga is because if you need to make any kind of changes, structural changes, yeah. you have the guy there. You yeah. don't need another substitution. I mean, you have five right now, but still. Yeah. So the, uh, and the other thing is, I, you know, Ibiaga, and I asked, it was the first thing I asked Ronnie post-game uh, after the Cincinnati win, you know, the, the, the players, and I don't want to read too much into this, but I, I had to ask it. The players who don't play or play very limited minutes, they go out and they do sprint work with the, with the uh, physical trainer, the performance coach. And there were four of them, like Acevedo, even though he got in, he, he was sprinting. And then Ibiaga was on his own, and he was jogging, and his gait, there was something about the gait, the, the way he was jogging, and it looked like he was still hurt. That's the way I looked at it, because he was not, there was no sprinting, he was just jogging, and, you know, so maybe he had done his work earlier in the day, I don't know, but uh, I asked uh, Ron if he's ready, and he said he's, he's fit, so, and that he'll be one of the possibilities for the weekend, so we'll see. So, guys, before we turn away on SC Cincinnati, it sounds like Roberto feels like maybe fans shouldn't be as excited as they were following that match, given that the opponent was FC Cincinnati. Should, should we temper our, our enthusiasm of that result a little bit, Roberto? Well, considering the, the full body work of the season, yes. I mean, how many times has New York City scored more than three goals in this season? So that hasn't, uh, that, that hasn't happened. Uh, they've created the chances. They just haven't been able to put them in. Uh, John finally agrees with something of mine, I guess. Um, but which first is time, I don't know rare... how many years I'm clapping <laughs> at you. He's, he's, con he's contractually <laughs> obligated to at least once every 12 shows. That's not oh, something right. like that to agree with me? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I think that it's good that you guys put that in. I appreciate that. You're welcome. Um, but, yeah, you, you should temper because until they do it against better quality teams, although FC Cincinnati has been playing better as of late and uh, they've gotten a couple of, uh, couple of wins that were very good. So, um, yeah, you can. But at the same time, New York City is who New York City is this season. And this is a team that, you know, wins games by a goal. But uh, we'll see what happens because now not only are you – have the issue that you have to replace Callens. Now you're going against uh, Inter Miami, and they'll have a uh, uh, an Iguain who is uh, probably slightly better fit than he was in uh, in the last game, and hopefully uh, for New York City, taking penalty kicks if there is one uh, in the same manner. How about did you read uh, MLSsoccer.com? Put out, you know I didn't I didn't check it, but they put that uh, Iguain who missed his penalty in the 77th minute. I'm sure everybody's seen that now against Philadelphia. Uh, he's missed his last four penalties. Four. Yeah, <laughs> and the word they used was missed. So did he miss the target all four? Yes, yes. That's yeah. unbelievable. No, it's not. Four. I've seen him take. I've seen. I've seen him take penalties, key penalties from Argentina, and it's the same thing. It's just like all over the place. So the one he, against Philadelphia is still penalty? going. Yeah, it is. <laughs> well, this is like, you know, remember uh, Maxi Morales was having difficulty from the spot. Right. And, yeah. and he kept taking him. He was just trying to 
you know, get it back, I guess. I, uh, one of the stats in there is one year at, uh, I, I think it was Napoli, Iguain was three of seven from the spot. So, I mean, he's, he's had some rugged times there, no question. Well, Iguain should dial up video of John Rojas' son who buried it from the spot this weekend in his match. No hesitation, Not clinical finishing. How did I miss that? Wonderful strike. It was, all right, so let's open it up a little bit to the Eastern Conference. And I wanted to get your guys' thoughts on this because you look at the East, right now one through seven separated by ten points. Columbus, Philly, Toronto, Orlando, your top four. New, York, uh, New England, uh, one point above New York City, who sits in six, and New York City tied with the Red Bulls on 20 points. Uh, Roberto, you look at the, the top four, Columbus, Philadelphia, Toronto, Orlando, no real surprise there. I mean, even going back out of you know MLS's back tournament, it seems like Columbus, Philadelphia, and Orlando have continued to ride their momentum. It's when you think about New England, it's surprising that they're one point above New York City. Just given the two matches City's played against New England, it, it seems like to me that New York City is a much better team than New England. But and any surprises in the, in the top seven there for you, and kind of where things stand now through you know through these through these uh, you know 14, 13, 14 games, depending on which teams you're looking at. Well, I'm not surprised at all about the, the top four because I think that they've been very consistent all throughout the year. I mean, the reason that New England is ahead of New York City is because New York City started the season 0-4. And so they had a lot of, um, a lot of points to make up. So that, that doesn't uh, surprise me. Um, the Red Bulls have seemed to have turned it around a little bit from where, where they were going, and they had a pretty nice win. And, um, but aside from that, uh, I'm not, there's not really that much that, that really, really surprises me. I mean, New York City's playing better, and that's why they're, they're there. They probably deserved a lot better against Toronto, so maybe they should have had another point there, and uh, Toronto should have had two points less. But uh, New York City is paying for the way that they started the season because they lost those first four games, and they couldn't find the back of the net. And they're still having some difficulties finding the back of the net, aside from from the last game and we'll see if this is an omen and now they start getting it and uh, things get better from there but as far as surprises are concerned no not really maybe that the red bulls have rebounded the way that they have because i I just see that there's been just too much talent that's left that team well but the red bulls are at orlando uh this weekend and that will be after that match if they get a, a a positive result even if it's not a victory even if it's not a draw, but it's a, like a great game, uh, then I think you can say they've, you know, they're such a spirit team. You know, it's all about spirit. Uh, they've got good players uh, in certain positions, uh, a couple of new guys in <clears throat> who haven't gotten many minutes yet, but they look, from, from, from what I've seen, they, they look like they, ha- they have some potential. But that, that's a, that's a, I think that's a huge match for the Red Bulls to see exactly where they are. Are they, I think they've won their last three. So now they're in Orlando, and Orlando's, uh, you know, they've been one of the best teams in the league. John, anything surprising to you about the, the standings thus far? Uh, no, not really. Uh, what I want to keep an eye on is on Chicago. Uh, they're not that far away, and they're coming in a really good form. Uh, they're gluing better. Remember, not only coaching staff in front office, but probably six, seven guys are totally new to the team. And uh, they're getting better on the, on the way they play, which is what I really look at. I mean, the, sometimes the results are not there, but, but lately they're having those results. They're scoring. And 
if you see their schedule, they have Montreal next. And of course, they're going to find Sporting Kansas City, which is a lot of you know, tougher opposition. But you have Montreal, you have DC United, you have Minnesota. Uh, they, can, they can really pick up some points there and get into the, into the fight. You know, I mean, they're, they're, they're really getting better and better on that process. And that's something that I want to keep an eye on. Then Red Bulls are probably going to lose Kaku for international duty. So that's just a you know, way to see it because uh, when he is there, they play a lot better. That's, that's a fact. Even though sometimes they get results without Kaku because for some reason, the coach is using him just here and there. Well, can we go back to that for a second? Now, you said that they're going to lose Kaku. The thing is, is that, you know, a lot of the teams, now it says that, um, that the teams are, some of them may not be happy about letting players go. There was a story about the fact that, there's a, that MLS was, as a, as a unit, as an entity, as a league, Run. wasn't, uh, no, I'm just saying that there was a story. I'm not saying that it's right, that there was a story. And I'm saying, saying that, that, that it's wrong. Right, that the, that the league was going <laughs> to say no. But we've, uh, I mean, we've since heard from, coaches from different teams saying uh, it's really up to us. Brian Schmetzer in Seattle has already said that he's releasing his players. Um, and uh, so we're, we're going to see what winds up happening. But uh, th that, that still hasn't been 100% uh, resolved. Well, so so the, uh, just to be clear, the countries would announce their rosters without having gotten clearance that the, they're going to play? From the club, they don't, or, need, they don't need that. They don't need clearance, right? Because it's a it's a it's a window. So um, so they just name him, and then that's the expectation. So that's oh, that. Yep. Wait, well, here's, here's, the, here's the issue. So no, uh, but uh, well, Ronnie Dyla doesn't have to worry about uh, Jesus Medina, correct? No, he's not. He's not because he uh, uh, Paraguay released the final yeah. list today, and Medina yeah. is not on it. Right. He was at the preliminary preliminary list. Yeah. But he wasn't on, on, the, on the final list that was released today. Right. The two guys from Paraguay in MLS were Kaku and Jimenez from Chicago, who is actually uh, Argentinian-born, and he's going to play for Paraguay for the first time. Oh, wow. Uh, the, the, the thing here is that Conmebol is the only confederation that is going to play World Cup qualifiers. Okay, CONCACAF right. is not playing. Mexico has some friendly games. But World Cup qualifiers is totally different. I mean, as a player, for you, you go on a World Cup qualifier. You do two great games, and your stock is rising high as you can think. Yeah. So you don't mm -hmm. want to miss that. Right. One. Second, and most of the countries in South America, you don't go because you have an issue, and most likely they'll not call you back. Because players are around 180 to go. They're crazy to go to the national team. So yeah. you got to do whatever it takes to go. And I'm hearing players here in, in MLS that they don't have news yet from the federation if they are in the final roster. And they don't have news yet from the team if they have some issues releasing them. But some of them told me, I'm leaving. I don't care what the team says. I'm leaving. And this is an issue for every team in every part of the world. You tell Real Madrid that, I, you, know, that you want his players right now. They don't want the players to leave. It's crazy. And if you take MLS into consideration, these players are leaving. And when they come back, 
they had to have a 10-day quarantine. So you're going to lose these players for six or seven games. That is what coaching staffs are saying. They yeah. are thinking said, uh, those Dylas said six games. Exactly. And that is if the player comes back healthy without injury and tests negative. Because if he comes back with an injury, done. And if he comes back and tests positive for COVID, done. Because the ten part is of the reason. to 15. Now, uh, last thing, Roberto. Um, seven games missing a player when you, when you have nine left on the season? Right. It's, it's a lot. And the reason oh. that they're missing six, seven games is because basically after next week, it's two games a week for MLS for the rest of the way. Yeah, it's nine games in six weeks yeah. until the end of the regular season. So the thing is, uh, the, the, the teams wanted to do something, and, and it's fine. It's, it's normal that that happens. It happens always. Teams are always trying to keep their players. You know, Pio Herrera yesterday was very uh, at, uh, from forward and, 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 and speaking about he doesn't, wanna, he doesn't want to uh, loan his players to the national team in Mexico because players are coming back too tired, uh, injured, and, and is messing with his program, with his, with his team. And it happens everywhere. And, and imagine they're talking about, you know, friendlies there with Mexico. But in South America, we're talking about uh, World Cup qualifiers, and that changed the game. The problem here is FIFA for COVID released um, a quote-unquote protocol taking into consideration the FIFA date that was supposed to be played in September. But that regulation didn't mention anything about October and November. <laughs> yeah, right. You know, and in that, in, and in that, and in that regulation, FIFA gave the teams the right to uh, retain the players. So if the team want to retain the player because they think that in a healthy basics is not good for them, they can keep the players. What is the, uh, what's the reason for not, um, for not delaying these uh, qualifiers uh, and just push them into the new year? Money and TV rights. And not only that, I mean, next, I mean, that this year and next year, because if they put it to next year, you have uh, the Olympics, you have the Copa America, and, and, the, and, the, and the qualifiers are not only a couple of months. The qualifiers are going through the year. Mm-hmm. So they're going to start now, but they're going to finish at the end of next year. Right. It's All basically right, well, that calendar. And by the way, then you have like in, in Argentina, the league isn't functioning. And no, no, no. Won't they don't even have a date. January. Yeah. It's at least January before the, that league even starts up. No, they don't even have a date. They started playing Copa Libertadores, and we all know what happened with Flamengo. Yeah. They went to play in Ecuador, and when they came back, 19 people came back with COVID. Between players, of course, Dometoren that we knew, uh, yeah, someone, some people from the staff, and, and front office manager people and, and you know, um, um, uh, executives that travel with the team. And, you know, we also have that same situation here with, uh, with the Colorado, Colorado Rapids. Rapids. So they've got two players and, uh, what is it, 11, 11, uh, 11 or They're 12 up. staff members, right? 11 that, total uh, now. 
Yeah, because I heard the final number so far was 14, the last number that I heard, but only two players so far. But they said that a lot of it was with the technical staff. So we don't know if those are actual coaches or people who look at video or, you know, or work with, you know, work with the team in some way or another. Well, they're um, supposed to play. Uh, they're supposed to play Portland on Saturday, right? They're not so. going to play Portland on Saturday. They're not practicing. That game is going to get suspended as well. It has to be. Well, that's what well, they're, well, they're not practicing. Well, it hasn't not, been decided. It hasn't exactly. been decided yet. No, no not, not officially, yet. but uh, I would be, presume. Roberto, but it's not yeah. because they're not not being able to practice. I mean, Portland weren't able to practice for a week, and they played their game. Right. And San Jose hasn't been able to practice, and they. But all their, their players game. are quarantined now. Everybody on the team. As is the reason is different, not because they're not being able to practice, but because they have to be in quarantine. And you don't have to read between the lines, really. I think Ronnie Dyla and, and the club are going to uh, – they're not going to give Alexander Collins any hassle to, to go away. I mean, You, you can, you, Glenn, you can. No, I, I know they can't, but you, you could. You could try no, to no, convince the guy Ronnie, to stay. You could say – you know, you could talk to the player. Yeah, but it's hard. I mean, how can you let – you know, a, a guy like that – No, I, I'm saying they won't. They won't. How, I, how I agree. can you convince him? It's very hard. The guy is going to stay – you know, even if he say yes, he's going to stay, you know, with a stiff inside. I mean, he doesn't right, want Right, he's going to be resentful. For sure, yeah, he's going to be totally. resentful. And yeah. You don't want that. Uh, no, it makes how no about, sense. How about Portland winning a road game at Providence Park? Yes, they did. <laughs> yeah, they 1-0. Did. I what locker room were they in? I was looking. I read every story, and no home. one mentioned what locker home. room they were in. Home, home, right. home. This is from, from Vancouver Whitecaps players. They did not, uh, they, they not treat the game as a road game, we're not treating it as a home game. So what does that right. mean? But he, that doesn't mean they were in the different locker rooms. That was just... Well, a- if the home team didn't treat the game as a road game means, for me, that they were in the home locker. No? That's, I think a, that's that, an assumption. That, that was, Jack, an assumption, yes, that was yes. Jack Nerwinski's quote. And I, I think it was just like, it was the feeling that he had more than whether they were... I'm just, I'm just curious. I was watching are. part of the game, and it was just funny to see so much blue covering yeah. all, all, all the green. You know, and the Bell telephone advertisements and Tim Hortons and, and the whole thing. And then a little patch in the middle said Providence Park in green. Well, let's, let's, think, else is in blue. let's talk about the West real quick while we have a few minutes left on the podcast. Uh, we talked about the separation in the East. It's really tight in the West, guys. And John, you look at it, uh, one through six, Seattle, Portland, Sporting KC, SC Dallas, Colorado, who we just talked about in Minnesota, one through six separated by just five points. And right now you have Seattle and Portland tied atop the Western Conference on 24 points. Uh, anything stand out to you there in the top six? I mean, these are traditional teams that you know do well in Major League Soccer. A little bit of surprise to see Colorado as high as they are potentially. And Minnesota, but, too. And Minnesota, right, Minnesota as well. Are, are those the two uh, things that stand out to you when you look at the top six? Yes, but then this uh, stretching time is what is supposed to reveal what they are made of, right? I mean, the depth of their lineups, of the rosters, and, and how they're going to navigate this every three days games. Uh, talking Colorado and Minnesota, a little bit more Colorado because we know that the difference in the roster is, is, is big. Minnesota has strengthened their roster, and, and I think they have tools if the manager used those tools in a, in, in a proper way to keep fighting for that spot. Uh, the good thing for them is LAFC is just not themselves this year, and, uh, and they're going to lose at least four players for in- international duty. 
Wow. By the way, I'm sure, John, I know that you watched it because you were tweeting about it. How about that uh, victory by San Jose in L.A.? Yeah. And what I loved about it, what, what I loved about the victory was the, just the euphoria by everybody on that team when Jackson Ewell scored that winning goal. The, the way that it was just guttural the way that whole bench reacted up and down. And when I hear, and I keep on going back to this because it's something that just bothers the hell out of me, you know, from all the people that I hear from, from south of the border about that retirement league, nobody cares, et cetera, et cetera. You see those guys react the way that they react. They care. They came to play. They're giving it their all, okay? When you see guys like, Matarita shave his head in honor forever, right? To show, you know, to, to show unity, right? Of how much he cares. They care. This is a different ballgame. When I hear fans talking and forget, and, and fans listen to what pundits say. And when the pundits keep on harping about this is a retirement league and that nobody really cares and, and, and all of that, it, and you see the actuality of it. You see the video. You see the, the passion that comes along with it, all right? And you know it's all bullshit of what they're saying and what they're telling their TV audience, their radio audience, and their readers. It's infuriating. And that's why when I see something like that Jackson Yule goal, which was gorgeous, by the way, and then to see that team react the way they reacted like they had just won the world cup okay it was extraordinary it was great and you would just want to see more of that and that made me very very happy all right well i i like the goal better than the uh than the celebration personally because i don't know if you guys noticed and this is you know players watch other players and how many players are we now seeing with a ball that's played across like that? Let it run past the front leg and then backheel it into the goal. And, you know, the keeper is just totally unbalanced. And it just seems like there have been a, a number of those kind of goals this year uh, globally, not just in MLS. And I, I think, uh, you know, so that's you're basically a very... saying that Eber started this last year against the Red Bulls? <laughs> that was a good one, too. <laughs> well, that was the first one that we saw that was like that. I thought yeah. that's where you were going. No, I'm saying this year I've seen a number of goals scored like that. Um, uh, I saw uh, one when I was 13. <laughs> right. I mean, it's not – It's not. And I celebrated it. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. John Rojas finishing. <laughs> I'm not saying it's a brand-new technique. I'm saying it's being utilized more at the front post now than I've ever seen. Yeah, Vardy did it this weekend for Leicester. Exactly. Yeah. Vardy and uh, who's the Holland for uh, for Dortmund? He scored one uh, earlier. It's uh, part of the Glenn, you know this. It's part of the I mean, quote unquote, science of the of the of the set balls. I mean, of the set pieces. You you had to be thinking and thinking and thinking how to create new things or how to you know. So you go back in time and do what you know what happened and what teams used to do, and because you cannot be just throwing balls in the air, period, because it's not going to work every time. So. It's, 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 it's nice to see coaches and players that do that. I mean, just, you know, study the game and look for ways to create. And yeah. You ever notice like a, a team that got, to, you know, this happened in New York City a couple of times this year that get a lot of corners, like double digit corners. 
by the time the ninth, tenth, eleventh, twelfth, they're just they're just whipping it in. That you know, there's no there's no rehearsed plays. It's like they've run out of ideas. Remember a game from is is it was a San Jose game. I don't know if that was in Orlando. I think they had like fourteen, fifteen corner kicks, and twelve of those were chore takes. Yeah, and did not score. And the, the one time that they throw it in, they score. <laughs> reverse. So the everybody reverse. was, and even yeah. the, you know, even, even, even in the broadcast, why did they throw, they took, that? why did they take those corner kicks? Sure, look what happened. You can score. Yeah, well, that was the intent at the beginning. And that's right. why they score, because the defense now, they don't know what to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's... it's well, all those things, the, uh, the set pieces this uh, week for New York City FC, those, um, um, you know, certainly one of the uh, more faulty walls in the history of the game, FC Cincinnati on the <laughs> Jesus Medina goal. And, uh, and then Matrice at the other end, you know, with, uh, you wondered if he was going to try to try to take a shot on both those, which he did, and one was closer than the other. It's, uh, and, I, you know, I was looking up, so we're going to call a game this weekend um, with Gonzalo uh, Iguain playing, which I, I, I find it thrilling when uh, – and I'm, you, you, if you review and you go back, I mean, the first match we ever did, Tom and, and Roberto, and, um, and it was Juan in the booth down in Orlando, you know, it's Kaká and David Villa. You know, that's our first game. We're, we're calling a game with, with you yeah. know, two of the – Two of the premier players in the world, either at one time or what, however you want to look at it, and then Pirlo, and then Lampard, and then uh, and then Wayne Rooney, uh, and then uh, Ibrahimovic, and you know we're calling all. Yeah, I, I think it's uh, it's been rather it's been a rather thrilling experience. I can't wait to see Guayin. You know, I mean, it's just uh, I, I really enjoyed watching him last night. Uh, he just did you know, games, think- Glenn. He just need games with this yeah. team to understand yeah. movement and all that, right. and understand that the the level of the of his surroundings is not the level that he's used to because that's a fact. You know, you can yeah, have he's good got to, players. He needs, to, he needs to take a frustration pill. That's right, sure. of course, yeah. exactly, totally, <laughs> totally. <laughs> What aisle, what aisle do you get those in at the drugstore? <laughs> I don't know, but he needs to go to the CVS or something, man. So the, on, the only place you don't have it you... is in Ivra's house. <laughs> Maybe. So, so, so there, there was a pushing and shoving incident right after the penalty because one of the, one of the Philadelphia players basically went up next to him and then just sort of jumped. And Bless I don't know if he miss. made contact or not. No. So, but what led up to that? Was that the beginning of it, or was there something before that? Because then it became pushing and shoving, and uh, did someone watch it? wanted to take somebody out. Did someone I, watch it? I watched a lot of the game. I I don't know if anything that happened prior. But did you just... watch the whole play? What happened in that play? What on the PK? Mm-hmm. You mean leading to the PK or the PK yes, itself? No. Leading to the PK. Leading to oh, the I didn't watch it. That's calling. why I'm asking. No, I Leading to the referee it. calling the PK. Pardon? Leading to the referee calling the PK. No, tell us. We didn't tell see us. it. Tell us. Okay, okay. I, thought, I, I, thought, I thought you were saying that you watched it. Though. So the big issue here is this. Um, Miami FC, uh, 
Miami CF. As Inter Miami CF. Inter Miami. That right. Inter. Let's just uh, call it Miami. Can we? Let's just say Miami. You can just call it Miami. You're fine. Coach's team. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, the team is attacking, right? They're in transition. They're attacking. And then uh, a handball is on the box, right? They are arguing with the referee. Play continues. And, um, and Philadelphia just going to transition right away. So they're defending, then going to transition attacking, right? They go to the win, go to the box. And one, I don't remember the defender. I don't know if it was Figal or who, but he basically threw himself on the line to save a goal. So Philadelphia was scoring on that sequence. Yeah. Okay? They did not because the defender put his body on the line to save that ball and then became an inter-Miami transition again. And in the middle of the transition, the referee stops play to go to Villa and then call the PK wow. for, for inter-Miami after the whole. So there were two transitions basically in the same, in the same play. But if that goal Why was scored... Why is he stopping play? But if the goal was scored, he would have gone to the VAR anyway. Well, true. But and that goal why is come. he stopping right. play? So what happens if he goes... Why is he stopping play? He's not supposed to stop playing. It's supposed to stop naturally, and then you go back and you but check the play. you decided to stop it. Exactly. But that, you couldn't stop it. Why that. you didn't stop it before in the, in the previous... Well, you should have stopped it, period. The ball should have gone out, and then at that point, or another goal gets scored, and then at that point, you go and you check it. So what happens if he goes and he checks it, and here come and he's like, nah, not a penalty. And then into Miami's uh, counterattack, well, that, based on what you're telling me, well, got stopped. And so they got screwed twice. Exactly. <laughs> Three times because he went in his court. <laughs> well, that, that was themselves. Yeah, that's that, – like, and he had the keeper going the wrong way. I know. I'm yeah, like, he every, did. He had Blake going the wrong way, Bob. Everybody was going right. Because everybody was expecting a goal. <laughs> so everybody went the wrong way. Yeah. But listen, I don't, I, you know, one thing is talking about this particular situation and EYN missing the penalty. And another thing is saying it was a miserable debut for EYN because he wasn't. It wasn't. He has a really good shot, a goal when the, when the game was 0-0. Uh, uh, zero, zero, and he went over, over the, the goal, over the bar. Well, his first, his, first, his first shot in MLS was a bicycle kick that went off the post. The first one on goal. Because okay, previous first to one that, on... yeah, he won one off the target. He won really close to the bar. So okay. he's very active. He's moving. He's, you know, he's battling the center backs. And, and for a guy that did not play for so long, he played in 90 minutes. And he was at some point, you know, showing frustration, and he was into the game. Yeah. Well, listen, I know we're all excited to see him, so let's bring this one home and talk about the keys to this matchup against Miami. Glenn, what are you looking at uh, as far as the keys from the New York City perspective? Well, I think the, the theme has been let's not concern ourselves so much with the opponent. Let's concern ourselves with us. So I um, – I anticipate uh, not much will change. I don't, uh, I don't anticipate a lineup change uh, outside of the fact that we know that uh, Collins is out, so there's a decision there. So there's going to be one change. 
And, uh, but I, as far as the system and the style and, and pressing high when it's on and try to win a ball higher up the field, uh, change the point and get overloads and attack with those guys. You know, I think the, the wingbacks and, and the wings are, um, you know, that relationship is going to become more and more critical and they're starting to really get it, I think. So, um, uh, Ronnie Dyla never talks about focusing on one play. He's, you know, he's not going to talk about stopping Iguain. He's not going to be talking about stopping Pizarro to set up Iguain. Uh, he's not going to be talking about Blaze uh, Matuidi, um, who I thought I, I think is looking pretty good too. I, I they've got a kind of a they've got a bit of a classy team. Gonzalez Perez at the back, you know. I, I mm-hmm. mean, they're uh, Luis Robles in goal. It, it's it's an interesting team. I'll say yeah, that. some nice pieces for sure. Yeah. And New York City's played them already and beat them one nothing in MLS. Yeah, in a different setting. That was a, right, much different setting. But uh, at least you know they they have played them once. Yeah, and and they had doubts too. I mean, uh, of course they expect Iwain to be in, in better form because he's going to train with the team and all that. But um, Agudelo started in that line of three behind Iwain, and he left the the, the game injured. And then uh, Regis, the center back, the Colombian center back, he went out uh, with pain after a knock. So we don't know if he's injured or if it is a con- uh, concussion. Um, concussion. Concussion protocol. I don't, I'm not sure about that. But and they traded Roman the Torres. They yeah, traded they, Roman Torres to Seattle. To Seattle. He went back to Seattle, yes. Uh, yeah. Well, uh, uh, Agudelo, that was a hamstring. I mean, he's, he's not going to play. I mean that that looked very hamstringish, didn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Roberto, what are you, what are your keys for this weekend? Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how he uh, handles the lineup change. I mean, to me, there's going to be one lineup change, which is going to be Medina for Callens. Then, what? How the dominoes fall after that is going to be. Uh, you know, what he decides he's going to do, if he's going to keep Matrits at the 10 or he's going to put him out wide and put Medina at the 10. So, uh, and then we expect Ring to drop back. I mean, at least that's, that's the way I see it. I would be shocked. I, I, I'm going to be shocked with all capitals if Matrizza doesn't start in the middle of the field. All hey, you heard it here first, folks. All caps. Is this like a Charles Barkley guarantee sort of thing? I, I don't know what that is. So. Oh, okay. Well, d- yeah. Different sport. D- d- different sport. Tom and I watch inside yeah. the NBA, yeah, so well, well, we know that one. <laughs> the only thing I, yeah, my, only, uh, my only Charles Barkley, what I remember about Charles Barkley is when he was on the uh, Olympic team and the U.S. Uh, <laughs> the U.S. Olympic basketball team was going to play Angola. And I, I'll never forget his quote. He goes, I don't know anything about Angola, but I know Angola's in trouble. <laughs> there's there's a great documentary on um on the on the 92 basketball team and uh with all the great stars that were there between ewing and jordan and uh i mean magic johnson and all the thing and then you, you, the, the whole situation with uh, isaiah thomas being left out because everybody hated him uh it's amazing how much time is spent on uh, Charles Barkley, his personality, aside from his wonderful basketball prowess at that time, just basically overshadows everything there. He is just an amazing, amazing presence. I love him to death. I think he's great. And I know this is a soccer show, but if when Inside the NBA comes back next season, that's the best show on TV, like bar none. Bar none. It is the most entertaining, funny, well, 
because you're you're a soccer guy. He's giving I'm me more, thumbs down. I'm not a, just a I'm a I'm a yeah, sports you are. guy. You root for I'm the Jets. Guy. You're a soccer guy. I'm a sports guy. <laughs> All right, John Rojas, real quick, what do you got for keys this weekend? No, I think we already spoke about it. Just Sands playing for Callens, Ring playing Ring, and then Medina playing on that side. Ring playing for ring. I think we'll, we'll wrap it up there. All right, let's go around the room real quick. Glenn, where can people follow all your fun reporting and your, your, your pregame chats? Well, I'm at Glenn Crooks, and um, so follow me on Twitter. That's where I put most of my stuff up, including all this video stuff I'm doing now, thanks to John Rojas and his advisement. <laughs> And uh, but that's pretty. This one's pretty good. It's my call of Matriz's goal, followed by Tinner Home talking about how the goal was created. You got to go watch it, man. It's a beautiful construction. Whether you like my call or not, I'm just saying. (laughs) That's that's uh, what you're talking about. I just like the way it's put together. I'm not saying anything about my call. I'm just saying. No, it's a good. It was a good call. It was a very good uh, call. Yeah, and and then uh, if you if you're subscribed to SiriusXM, you should be listening to the Soccer Channel FC 157. And my show tomorrow. Uh, who who do I have on the show tomorrow? Um, I can't Don't remember. Worry about it. You're just the host. But, <laughs> that's fine. Don't worry about it. <laughs> We're recording this on Tuesday, uh, Monday. It'll it, my show's on Wednesday. So just, just listen to it. TBD. Goodbye. Goodbye. Thank you. TBD. That's that's how you do promos, folks. That's called a tease. That's yeah, that's tease. that's a tease. All right. All right, John Rojas. All people can follow me on J Rojas eight seven five. That is on on Twitter and. Uh, I just want to mention because it was fun today. I was uh, in a radio show in Argentina with one of the icons of the South American football radio, uh, Fernando Niembro. And we spoke about MLS. And even though they, as a show, they don't have a really nice view about MLS. They are still on the past. I mean, I had the chance to speak for about 15 minutes about everything, you know, Argentinians in MLS, MLS regulations, and all in between. And oh, I cool. closed. Yeah, it was, it was really cool. And, um, and I closed the day with a video setting up the mistakes in decision-making and recognizing the space from LA Galaxy leading to they giving the game away against Sanders. So they fought the game, they had the chances, and how they turned that game into a misery is in that video. John, can I ask you All about right. the Galaxy a soccer question, please? Of course. Why the hell are they playing such a high line defensively? <laughs> Not at the against, against the, the team against a team like the Sounders that has pace, i.e. Jordan Morris. I know, and they recognize that they were videos, preparation, and talks about do not give him space on your back because he's going to kill you. So what you do? You're not going to tie the guy. You're going to cut the service. Yeah. Right. Sure. But the, well, before, that. That, before that, you take care of your opportunities. Because if you got to chase the game, then your line is up. And that's the problem. And that is on the video, how they made their own mistakes. Because they got the chances, took the wrong decisions, and they were exposed. All right. Well, I, I'm always... Watch the I'm video. A, I'm of the uh, coaching <laughs> society that says... if. You can, if you read long ball service, drop and keep the game in front of you. To me, it's just about reading the game, but oh well. All right, yeah, Roberto. I was, yeah, I was watching part of that game last night, and uh, it, it's just 
it's just weird to watch that team and have all that talent and and, and not being able to uh, to put it all uh, to put it all together. The funny thing was is that when Efrain Alvarez came into the game and what is he seventeen at the most? I mean, he actually really made a very positive impact on that game. He really started controlling a lot of stuff, moving all around. It was a done game, and, uh, Roberto. It's what's easy, that? It's easy to impact a game that is done. It was three nothing. The opposition is just. Going around to kill the game. There's still 15 minutes to go. The game isn't done with 15 minutes to go. Three nothing. It doesn't matter. Seriously, you really give up? No, no. Nobody's saying give up. Well, you say the, the game is done. It's different. It's, no, the spaces are different. I know it's very tight, but when he came in, they had a lot more of the ball and were, were, were a lot more dangerous because he was finding people in good places. I mean, it's not that they had chances. They wound up scoring a goal. Yes, it was it was Fletcher to uh, to Legette, who's who, and Legette put the header in. But I mean, I, he came in and made an impact. They were not playing a high line. No, so they the spaces weren't. weren't there, so he can control the ball. All right. Anyway, for my broadcast with uh, the wonderful Ariel Judas, Thank you. Uh, the wonderful will, Ariel. what's that? Are you making fun of Ariel? I'll fight no. you if you make fun of Ariel. No. No. All right, just just because you down have, there. Because as, after you say whatever to me, you say the wonderful Ariel. <laughs> so well, this is, I, I didn't this mean is it. My, it this doesn't... is my cake. I imagine no. which one is my brother's. <laughs> no, 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 no. What I'm just it, it was not meant as a slight to you. It was just a compliment to Ariel. That's all. Oh no, Ariel is fine. It was not meant to as a slight. Now, are you going to take issue with Ariel at all? Not at all. Oh, all right, exactly. Because He's I mean, it would, be, it would not be nice of you. No, no, I mean, no. Not, not that that would happen. He's a better all person right. than me. That's for sure. The game is Saturday, Roberto. Both our air times are at six forty-five. <laughs> NYCFC.com/slash/radio, and listen to listen to both. If you speak both languages. You can take both us on at the, the same time. Half and, do what and I do. That happened at the second. Giant game yesterday, by the way. They had the English and Spanish on at the same time. Anytime the guy in Spanish shut up on SAP, all of a sudden the English was popped up. It was the weirdest, weirdest nice. thing that they did. Anyway, just follow With me the on Canadian Twitter. Steve, I'm at Robert they feeding, they feeding, they feeding the Canadian audio instead of the feet. That's the problem. In where? I'm talking about football. Not, 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 not well, it, hap it happened in the... In the um, in the uh, Portland-Vancouver uh, game, and the Spanish uh, broadcast. Oh, well, that happened there? Oh, that's yeah. not good. But anyway, no, I'm just talking about on Fox 5 here in New York when I, was, I decided to see if the SAP was working, and it was. And, but then all of a sudden, any time that the guy who's speaking Spanish started talking, oh, you should have put that on Glenn, forget that. Um, he, uh, what do you call it? The English piped up. It was really, really weird. Anyway, hey, Tom, for more wonderful stories yeah. like these, you can follow me on Twitter at Rob Abramowitz. Follow me on Facebook at Roberto Abramowitz uh, Oficial with one F because it's in Spanish, Glenn. And uh, on Instagram, just Roberto Abramowitz. That's all right. It. And I am at T. Colker. That's all you need to know. Figure out where. <laughs> There's lots of social media platforms out there. For Glenn, Roberto, and John. I'm Tom. Thanks so much for listening to another episode of Soccer in the City.